this one. The Bible's got you tied in knots. If you burden with religious thoughts, come grab a drink and join the choir. It's heretic happy. Oh my goodness, ladies and gentlemen, thank you, Barrett Johnson. God bless you. Live and in person, just like all of us today. Thank you so much for coming. This is our second annual, second anniversary of the Heritage Happy Hour podcast, and they said it wouldn't last. And you are here for the historic second anniversary podcast live recording. Give yourselves a hand. Awesome. Who said it wouldn't last? Well, you know, some people. Oh, I did. Oh, my mom didn't think it would. Okay, anyway, so uh, we also want to, we have to say a huge, huge thank you to Sidecar Donuts. Uh, who are not only make the most amazing donuts in on the planet, and there's some over there if you want to try some. Thank you, Sidecar. Uh, but Jason Clyver, thank you so much for also just being our champion at Sidecar. And thank you, everyone at Sidecar Donuts, for donating this space, this amazing space that we get to come and, and record these at. So that's pretty awesome. And I guess we're supposed to do introductions at this point, right? So if you don't know who we are, I don't know why you're here, but just in case. Uh, hi. Well, I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Keith Giles. I'm the host, uh, I'm the, sorry, the author of several books. There's some right there on the table uh, if you want to take a look at them. They're on this side. They're, uh, yeah. No, on the front, right there in the front, oh. in the middle. Yeah. And uh, uh, yes, author of several books. And I'm also joined by my co hosts here, Matt and Jamal. Say hi, guys. Hi, friends. It's Jamal. It's a great to be in person with you guys uh, here for our first time that we're doing a second anniversary live podcast show since we've never done a second anniversary. That's the first time we've it's ever done a second anniversary ever done one. That. Yeah, that's so right. This is fantastic. It's historic. Mm-hmm. Glad you could be here. And to everybody listening, welcome. Thanks for coming back on and listening to the Heretic Happy Hour. We've had um, our, so. some of our episodes. Um, our producer, Ralph, has uh, shared with us that it's blowing up a little bit, moving up in the rankings there on iTunes. It's yeah. fantastic. Really cool. Thanks to y'all. Thank you. And yeah. y'all in there. Because yes. we're realizing we, we don't really market the podcast, actually. It's just kind of funny. Other than our own personal, like, tweeting things out or, you know, Facebook posts and stuff, like, it's just sort of organically grown. So it's, a, it's amazing. Uh, it's Yeah. So, th- so thank you. That makes me Matt. I'm the third host. And uh, I also have some books up there. One's called Heretic. It's uh, aptly named, although yes. maybe apostate might be a different title I might use in the future, but I don't know. We're quibbling. And uh, yeah, I'm, I've got like four books and uh, I've got a couple of or one other podcast and then this podcast and super excited to be here. Flew down today. I'm not tired at all, so I'm ready to go. All right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> Can I have, I have a confession to make? Can I just This is a confessional. This yes. is a little bit. Sometimes I'm afraid to share the Heretic Happy Hour podcast with people. Oh, really? Why? No, it's, it's, it's the language, isn't it? Well, it's not the language. Oh, okay. um, That's why I'm Are you throwing shade, man? No, no. I, I love our podcast, but sometimes I sometimes have this question like, what will people think? I don't know if anybody can relate with that, but like, what what will people think if they listen to this podcast and they come from like a, a very conservative background? Well, they and, hate it. Because I, I do life coaching. That's my business. And so I have a client who is... Um, I don't promote the podcast for my clients just because if they come from very strict, like it's like overload and they get really like, you know, um, but she found it. She, I don't know how she found it. She was like, I found the hair to cap. I didn't even know you were She was like, this is incredible. People asking questions for the first time. Like I've never been able to ask these questions um, in, in my church. And she went to Christian university. It's like nobody I know asks these questions and has dialogue in a healthy, constructive way about these things. And this is like, like saved my life. Oh wow! So I was like, I felt kind of like 
Oh, maybe maybe fear is actually unfounded. Well, can I say I have I have a I have a reverse story to that one. Okay. I guess, I, I just, <laughs> so we're going to give you the good news before we give. No, the bad I just news. so I just moved from Orange County to Boise, Idaho, um, like in October of last year, and so we're meeting new people, and we've got a little house church kind of thing. So I started there with some friends uh, that we've met there, and there's a couple that's part of this little house church we're in, and they're a little bit older than us. I've noticed. I'm sorry to say this, but people that are older. Typically, the ones who have most of the problem, I think, with like some of the language and stuff. But anyway, this guy, um, I didn't really promote it to him, but he 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 heard me talking about it to somebody else who was like, "Oh, I love the podcast, dude! It's so cool!" And he's like, "Oh, you have a podcast?" So he went and listened to it, and I got this email from him, and it's like, "Oh, brother, I listened to this, and my spirit was so grieved within me. The language was so offensive." And he was just going on and on how disappointed he was in it, right? And so I'm like, oh, crap, right? What am I going to say? So what I just told him was, and this is, by the way, advice for anybody who may be offended, if this is your first time listening to the podcast and you're about to be offended, then I just would say to you what I said to my friend. I said, you know, brother, here's the thing. If you're offended, if that bothers you, it's not for you. This podcast is not for people like you. You're not asking these kinds of questions. You don't have these, you're not struggling and wrestling with these kinds of things. And, um, and so this podcast is, though, and pe- for those people that are wrestling who are, do have these kinds of questions, they love it, right? And that's why I think it has exploded. So I just, that's the only way I was able to get him to, like, still be my friend and not think I was, like, you know, throwing him to the dogs or whatever. But, but yeah, it worked. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I've, I had the opposite experience. So, but I do the same thing. I always tell people it's not for everyone. Yeah, it's yeah. not for everybody. It's not for everybody. That's certainly the case. We won't be offended if you leave, too. I mean, yeah, don't, okay. please don't leave. Sit it I'll out. be offended. <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, I'd rather you not. But uh, <laughs> but you were going to make another announcement, though. Always, oh yeah, okay. So always an announcement of you. But Matt, as Matt, have you introduced yourself? Yes, I did. did. Were oh, you listening? I'm sorry, I always listen. Um, <laughs> keep, yeah. up, keep up, keep up. You know, um, I I do think it's appropriate to talk a little bit about the hotline, mm. um, and you guys probably have heard about it. Um, people are catching on that we have a hotline. It's and, probably the secret of our success. Yes, though. and right. we open the hotline for every show, by the way. Mm. So it's not just for certain. I mean, you can call this anytime. So the number, I'll share it. It's um, 240-343-7379, 240-343-7379. And um, one of the cool things about our hotline, if you guys didn't know this, one of the cool things about our hotline is if an operator is not standing by, you can leave a text message. Mm-hmm. Like you can actually text the hotline. We'll yeah. get it. The kids so, love it these days. That whole the kids thing. love it. Really kids into, love texting. It's the new thing. Yeah, it's the new thing. So um, you can text the hotline and we'll get it. So if we can, and then what we'll do is we'll fax it over. And usually we have a, our heavy fax, heavy duty fax machine set up. So if we could like simulate that, um, we, like that, there you go. We have a text. We have a text that came in to the uh, hotline. Okay. You ready for it? This is very, this is from a listener. Profound. This is from a listener. It's pretty profound. Maybe, maybe, um, well, I'll just read it. Yeah, just read it. And you guys can tell me what you think. Quote, hey, you up? End quote. End quote. End quote. That's it. That's the whole text. So, I mean, it depends on when the text came through. I don't, I don't know. What time? Have, we I might have, have been sleeping. I'm going to go out on a limb and think, say that might be a wrong number. It could have been. We have <laughs> gotten some possible. very strange yeah. messages. <laughs> what Did we respond, producer? So how do Ralph, we? Res- no. Well, actually, I think we I think we should talk about this. We should. We should. Should we? We should respond. No, we should respond to the person who texted it. Well, if a listener has texted this for real, we should actually. We talk should about respond. It. So the question is, hey, you up? I'm going to interpret this as, hey, are you woke? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I think you have the right to do that. Are yes. you? Woke? <laughs> so here's a, here's something I would like to ask. What does it mean to be woke? 
Like for the for the listener who texted this in, what does it actually mean to be woke? Do you guys have any thoughts about that? I, I have a thought. I hate the word woke. And anyone who call <laughs> if you use the word woke and you call yourself woke, you ain't woke. That's that's all I'll say. I, I, I agree with Matt. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, listener, for that. Um, for that text. Very insightful question. Um, we have something else. That we, we also have a voicemail that came in. Hi, guys. It's Brother Tom from Florida. I just had a profound revelation regarding us heretics. So, of course, I immediately picked up the phone and called the Heretics Happy Hour Hotline. So here it is. So since you guys are heretics and I enjoy literally all the episodes and eagerly look forward to each new episode, I even find myself agreeing with Matt. My wife, being an ordained minister, agrees with us. My friends and family who are like-minded agree with us. I have bought books from all three of you, and we really enjoy them. You have a Patreon sponsors who agree with you, obviously, because they support you. And your Facebook page has lively discussions, so they also agree. And finally, in the last 20 years, church attendance, especially the Protestant church, is way down. They didn't leave God. They left the church. So my revelation is, who are the real heretics? All of us or the ones who would point fingers at us and yell heretic? Mm-hmm. Keep up the awesome job while I grab another beer and think about this again. <laughs> this, guy, this, guy's, this guy's awesome. I love this guy. <laughs> because first of all, he said he bought each of our books. So I, right, automatically, right there, I love this guy. He's great. Um, Brother Tom, thank you. Yeah. Brother Tom. So awesome. good, so good. Why, didn't we cover that in I the first say, episode? I was going to say, I think the first episode. We Should we plug this. episode but we pro- one? But we might need to mention it because if you came yeah. in late, maybe you came in late to the game, maybe. we probably should at least mention that. Because the, the the thing we found when we called the podcast the Heretic Happier, obviously it's tongue in cheek. We're kind of mocking the fact that the, the three of us have all been called heretics and still are. Uh, Not so me. Essentially for just uh, well, I I am. Very essentially rarely. for just you know asking some questions or disagreeing with or, or you know challenging the status quo type thing. But what we found interesting um, as we looked at the word heretic, really a heretic honestly is anybody who creates division in the body of Christ over disagreements um, in theology or disagreements about God and things like that. But here's the ironic thing about being a heretic. You could be, quote unquote, right. You could be correct in your theology. But if you are, um, if you are separating yourself from someone because of a disagreement, you're the heretic. In other words, the heretic is the one who creates the division. Not, it's not based on whether you're correct or not. It's based on whether or not you choose to separate yourself from another person over that disagreement, right? Yeah. So I guess to answer his question, yes, technically people that are, that are calling us heretic and saying, you know, we're false teachers and I can't associate with you and I can't be around you, technically they're the heretics. But. Well, there's a lot of technical. I mean, even if a lot of people use it as you're – you're wrong in your theology or right. you've, you've affirmed something that's on the heretic list. And a lot of people fling that word around. They don't even know what's technically a, a no. heresy based on creeds and all this no. stuff. And, and I don't personally, cons- I don't care if I disagree with the creed or not, yeah. but there's a lot of things that I've said and they'll be like, Oh, you're a heretic for this. And it's like, well, technically that's not even a heresy. So it's, it's just a it's it's a, a derogatory word that we use to accuse others and yes, um, yeah. So I don't know if that answers Tom's question. I mean, I think that was a perfect answer because originally it just meant someone who was divisive in there. Yeah. Um, basically, you're an asshole. You could be right, but you're an asshole. Mm-hmm. So you're an asshole. I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, really here's the thing asshole? too. The thing about it too is that every what we, what we discovered about this this whole thing too 
is that uh, even so, f- even for the people that would say to us, you, "Hey, you're, you're, what, this view is heretical. You're, you're a heretic, Keith. Or you're a heretic, Matter Jamal." Um, the funny thing is about that person who's saying that is that to some other Christian from a different tradition, they're the heretic. They're, yeah, of course. So everyone is somebody's heretic, right? Yeah. And all, all it essentially means, all the word really essentially means, the way it's used today is, um, you have a different theology than mine. And what, what that attitude does, though, is sort of set yourself up for what you're essentially saying when you're saying it that way is, I'm not wrong about anything. I am the standard for all truth in the universe. I can't be wrong. Therefore, you're the one who's wrong. Uh, and, and again, you would never actually say it that way. But in a sense, that is what you're saying. You're saying, I, I'm not wrong. You are, right? I, I couldn't be wrong about something. You must be wrong. And therefore, you're the one who's the mm-hmm. heretic, right? That's right. So, Speaking of being right. Did you hear about the guy who had the left side of his body cut off? I feel like I'm about to, though. <laughs> he's, he's all right now. He's all right. Now. Oh, he's all right God. Now. And with that, thanks for coming. You know what? This is a perfect time to tell you about um, Zondervan. <laughs> Zondervan, has, uh, Zondervan Publishing has uh, graciously donated uh, several new Revised Standard uh, comfort print Bibles for us to for give reason. away. I don't know why. We're not sure why. I'm not sure they really know what they did when they did this, but we're very grateful that they've allowed us to give away these Bibles. They're actually pretty nice. I, I have one. They're really nice. Yeah. And um, so if you would like to see the full lineup of these new comfort print Bibles, uh, new Revised Standard Version Bibles, visit nrsv.net. And we have a winner to announce, mm. uh, Tim Nixon, my friend Tim Nixon. Woo-hoo! Way to go, Tim. So Here's the way. Do we have any left to give away? I think that's the last one. Is that the final one? Oh, there's one oh, more. Okay. Oh, my okay. gosh. There's one left, guys. Fight for it. Get ready. So here's the way. Whoever you are, this is how you might, you're going to win. You uh, you want to tag one of us, but probably not Matt. Not me. On Facebook. I don't, um, I don't pay attention to that shit. Because he never notices. And uh, you tag one of us on Facebook and uh, with, with a link to your favorite Heretic Happy Hour podcast. And Tim did so, and that's why he won. Um which is lead his his favorite episode was lead follow or get out of the way I don't know what episode number that was uh, but it's the one where we, where we interviewed Rachel Held Evans so kind of a bittersweet one um, I love that episode and um, I guess the other way you can win is the Bible story oh yes call the hotline and leave a funny Bible story on the hotline and you can win the one Bible that's There's left one final Bible which doesn't exist but you'll get it no it does exist it does, it does exist it does exist for one more episode for at least one more episode okay. yes then it doesn't yes <laughs> yeah. okay um and now i think we have yeah. uh Do we it's have time heretic for the heretic of the week it's the heretic of the week so um a heretic of the week for this live podcast we decided to pick someone from history well, he's actually right here what? He's, gonna, he's gonna come in soon oh is he coming here he comes, yeah, here he comes. <laughs> no i know i don't think he's coming oh. um so the heretic we chose we, we we decided that because of our topic our topic of our podcast uh, is about God as provider, if God provides for us or not. So we, we decided who's a good person to choose, and we thought, oh, St. Francis of Assisi, right? Because he cared for the poor and, and depended on God for provision, and so that's who we picked. And um, But no one ever really called him a heretic. No, never? No, not that In I'm aware of. In all your research? No, no one really ever. Well, I think, I think evangelicals so would think heretic. he's a heretic. But they would never say that he is today. Like if you act like him, yes. Well, I'll tell you why St. Francis. They would never say St. Francis was a heretic. Francis of Assisi is an interesting guy, okay? So we have all heard of Father Richard Rohr, right? He's Most kind of, of yeah. he's, a, he's pretty renowned, you know. Um, it's a great he's book. Franciscan, he's a Franciscan mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. priest. 
and out of New Mexico. And he wrote a book called The Universal Christ. It's an amazing book. And it's yeah, yeah, amazing. But he dedicates the book. Check this out. It's pretty cool. He dedicates the book to his dog. No, no joke. In the beginning of the book, he says he dedicates the Universal Christ, the book that's all about the Christ, the Universal Christ, to his dog because he says that his one of the largest revelations of Christ to him came through his lab, his dog. And this, this is I was blown away when I heard that. I was like, that is unbelievable. But it's really rooted in Franciscan theology tradition because Francis of Assisi. You got to understand, like, he lived in the Middle Ages, medieval times, and I mean, you know, obviously uneducated, very poor, but he had this profound revelation. This is before what we know about quantum science, how everything's connected. He, listen, he didn't have any of this understanding, but he had this revelation that everything that exists is actually a manifestation of the Christ. Not so he, when we talk about Jesus, we did, we talk about Christ. We we mean that to be synonymous with the person of Jesus. But Francis of Assisi understood that the Christ was everything, and he really emphasized the Christ nature coming through animals. So he would actually. There are so many like eyewitness accounts where they would like talk about Francis of Assisi living in the woods or like camping out in the woods somewhere, and he would have all these animals would come. And I've actually heard about this. He's the only one that had the ability to do this. Um, there's other folks from the East, like people from India and, um, places that you will hear about, like, you know, gurus and sages that actually animals will come and like be in their presence. But Francis of Assisi had the same gift. Animals would be attracted to him. They would come and just like sit and he would like talk about the love of God to these animals. And he would call them his brothers and sisters. And he had this understanding that these aren't just animals. These are like brothers and sisters who belong to the family that we, cause we all come from the same source. Incredible. It's an incredible revelation. Um, of course, that's why you'll see a lot of folks with like statues of Francis of Assisi in like gardens and there's like animals around and stuff like that. But that's what he's known for. Yeah. I was going to say, this is, I think this is related. I was just talking to Matt about this. I have one of these weird kind of thoughts. Sometimes people call them shower thoughts, but I, <laughs> but I wasn't in the shower. I was actually on an airplane. Um, but anyway, I just had this thought. I was reading a book and in the book, it was a fiction book, and the character in the book says something about how, oh, you know, like it says in the Bible, he says, don't you believe um, that man is made in the image of God, right? Because it says that in the Bible. And for some reason, I had this crazy thought. I thought, well, you know, okay, yeah, man, mankind, we're made in the image of God. But then I just had this crazy thought. Do other animals think they're made in the image of God too? Like I'll bet you dolphins think they're made in the image of God. And I bet, and I bet you anything, yeah, I promise you, cats totally think Right? Cats, you look at just look at the way cats behave. They they know they're made in the image of God, right? So in other words, like we because we can write and communicate and we're self aware, we write a book that says we're made in the image of God. And I'm not saying that's not true, but but isn't aren't all things made perhaps possibly made in some way also in the image? Oh of God? sure, yeah. sure. Yeah, I, I'm, maybe just they lack awareness of that, but I don't know. Maybe they do have an awareness. They lack an ability to write a book about it. Oh, yes, or they don't care. To. No, they just don't give a crap. Yeah. They know it. They don't, they don't, don't care know. if anyone else knows it. I'm yeah. not sure. Anyway, but does that lead know. us to our to our topic? Somehow, possibly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. Well, Francis, interesting though <laughs> that he did. Um, he his way of making a living, so to speak, was um, was he living for a living? I think he was, was he living, living for a living? living for a living. Somebody like, should write a book about that. That's that's a great title. That's a great title. It's a fantastic title. Um, but he did. He like he and he but. It's interesting that he didn't have any means, quote unquote, of, of his own, 
but yet he supplied lots of things for the poor. Yes. Like he, he yeah, gave to the poor. It is really interesting. Like Mother Teresa, for example, you know, she had very meager, had a very meager existence, meager, you know, didn't have a lot of possessions. Same thing with Gandhi. But they, they raised millions of dollars. Like these folks were like, so people say, well, they didn't have any money. Like, no, they, they were millionaires, actually. Um, but they just funneled it in a certain way, you know, so they weren't poor. I think it's a misnomer to think that people are poor. Like, was Francis of Assisi poor? Well, not really. He actually gave away a lot of money yeah. and resources to people. Was Mother Teresa poor? No, actually, it took a lot of money for her to live that way. But the thing is, yeah, the, it, it's interesting if you, when you phrase it that way. Um, so, in other words, one perspective about um, looking at Francis of Assisi or Mother Teresa or people like this, and there are lots of people, by the way, probably people we don't even know their names. Sure. Um, but the thing is, they have an open hand. So, yes, millions of dollars has come through to them and through them to other people in need. It's The difference is they didn't hold on to it. Right. If they had held on to it, you would say, oh, look at them. They're millionaires. They have millions of dollars, right? Because totally. they kept it. But they didn't keep it. They gave it away. Yeah. So, from the, from the way uh, our economy, we would look at that person and say, well, because they didn't hold on to anything, they're poor. Right. Mm. But in a sense, really, in, in, in another way, actually, they're very rich, right? Because mm. they felt free to give these things away. Mm. Right, and share those things. That's how it's very sweet. It's very cool. So I guess the question then, somehow related to our topic. We're in the topic now, right? No, we are. Okay, is God the provider? Does God provide our needs? No, I would say, is that that the way you think of God? Do you you think of God as as one who provides in the same way we would provide, like trying to give to the poor and trying Uh to give to this? Um, Because, I mean, personally, like when we had this topic as a live show idea, I was like, I don't. I don't know what to say because I personally don't think of God in that way any longer. Like I don't think of God as a personal sort of deity and maybe that's just, thank you. I was waiting for that. That was pretty obvious, but I, I'm like, like for instance, I don't like pray, Hey God, what's up? Um, I need this and this, or I I mean, I don't even pray in any sort of way anymore. Um, in that traditional way. And I'm not sure I think of God as one who like decides to provide for people or not, because to me, then it, if you do have that view, then for me it gets to, well, why are there millions of children still uh, starving every year in the world? If God is this like sovereign provider, Lord over all, totally uh, controls everything, I'm not saying you have to believe that if you believe God provides, but if God does provide, why is there no provision for the vast majority of people? So I, was, I anticipated we were probably going to get there. I want to, to go right there, right off the bat. So no, I, but but here's what I see. What you think about this? Because, by the way, normally we do show notes before we do a podcast, but for some reason, when we do live shows in front of actual living, breathing people, when it's just happening, we can't go back and edit. We just don't do notes, so we didn't do any really notes for this. But we're just, so we're this is the fly. We're just really literally having a conversation right now. So, um, but my thought about the, that was so I, the, the second part of your question about like, yes, we live in one of the richest nations on the planet where even people that we, in, in our terminology, we would say these people are poor compared to other people in third, third world countries, they would be rich, right? Because at least they have a shelter, they have clothing, they have some access to food, they have cell phones, they've got stuff, right? They have some kinds of things. So so we already, we're already privileged in the sense that we live where we live and born where we were born and that kind of a thing and have opportunities that other places don't have. And so I, that's a great question to, from our perspective to say, is God a, uh, the provider of all 
because look at these people starving in Africa or India or, you know, some country. So I was, again, to see what you guys think about this. I don't know if this is necessarily true or not, but this is what I was thinking. I do think, though, I think that God is still a God who loves and God is still a God who gives. But I think we create blockages because we want more for ourselves. So some of this flow that might be intended for children in Africa or India or other third world countries, where people are holding it and keeping it and, and they're hoarding it. Like we just talked a minute ago about some people who receive and give and receive and give. Um, I think if we are always in that posture, then that what God would intend, which is that there is there is we know there's enough resource on this planet for everyone right now, right? Like the fact that there's poverty so. is wrong. We're sure. the reason there's poverty. We're the reason sure. people are hungry because we are not we, but there are people, and yes, some of them are Americans, uh, are are hoarding and are hanging on to things and resources that if they had open hands could flow freely to people who currently right now are hungry and are without, right? So that's just, that was just a thought. What do you guys think about that? I think it's totally accurate. I mean, we certainly withhold. And I do believe that as finite as our resources are on the planet, I think there's enough resources for the most part yeah. to go around. If our, <laughs> if our intention was to make sure no one was hungry, if our intention sure. was to make sure no one you know, did without, we as a people could fix that. We could make that happen, mm. right? I think we just unfortunately don't. Sure. Yeah. So this is a fascinating conversation <laughs> because... <laughs> I hope so. Anyway, geez. The reason this is a fascinating conversation is, well, first of all, in the Old Testament, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh, yes, my Jehovah provider, Jireh. right? Okay, so this idea of God as provider... But I'm, I would I would agree with Matt in the sense that well, you know I don't see God as the man up in up in the sky somewhere that doles out cash or mm-hmm. resources. Mm-hmm. I don't actually. My understanding. I'll take some, <laughs> my understanding is that if that is the way God is, then God's not actually doing very much for most of the world. <laughs> because we do have you know most of the world lives on about two dollars a day, right. or less. That is the norm. So, um, and again, is that bad? Is that good? There's a lot of starvation. There's a lot, of, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of lack in that sense. So my understanding though is not that God is a person in the sky that, that is kind of the purse strings and controls things, yeah. but Same my understanding, person. yeah, because that idea of God is a very, um, primitive idea, but it is the idea we've been taught within, within traditional Christianity is that God is out there and get, gives to all people. But my understanding, I've come to understand this as, the way things exist, the way the whole universe, and I, would, I love Francis of Assisi, to go back to Francis, I love his revelation of God and reality is that everything that exists is a manifestation of the source. So if the source is plentiful, if the source is the source of everything that exists, then shouldn't the created realm, the manifest realm, reflect the nature of the source, which is abundance, and I, I actually think it does. So I think that abundance is the norm. So I was taught that lack is the norm, that sickness is the norm, all of these things. Now, I know that this is a trigger for folks, but I honestly think like, no, 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 those are the abnormal. These, are the, these aren't the norm. These are why it's like, oh, this, is, this has to be remedied. But the norm is that the universe is plentiful. And so when I hear Jesus talking about that, 
It's really interesting that Jesus began his ministry by questioning the premise of how human society works. So if you think about human society, what governs our economy? Not just the U.S. economy, the global economy. It is how do I have to get a job so I can pay the, you know, pay my utility bills, pay my mortgage bill, pay my rent bill, so I can buy food and have a retirement fund and eventually retire and then die. Like that's the idea of human life. And Jesus came in and just initially was like, "Okay, hang on." First, his first teaching before he even got into the idea of the kingdom of God was, "Isn't life?" He asked a question. Isn't life about something more than food and clothing? Meaning like, hey, the premise is you've been living so much, you've been working so hard to live, but isn't life about more than just trying to survive? Mm-hmm. And that's, that's an idea of like, well, yes, it is. So it, the question is like, wait, why do you approach life as if there's lack and that needs to be remedied? Yeah. So what if the nature of the universe is actually abundant? It's not that God is a provider everything is a provider because everything reflects the nature of the divine, which is abundant. Yeah. Well, and let me clarify, like I, I believe there is God or a source or whatever we want to call <clears throat> that. Yeah. But, but I think I'm more metaphysically like where you are, like it's, it's, it's less personal and more that God through the creation has provided. Mm-hmm. Um, not necessarily like we will actuate the potentiality of God to come answer some prayer that we petition at the right time, at the right moment to the right God, like not anything like that, but just if we were in tune to our true nature and our true essence, we would always see God providing just through totally, you know, the natural, the natural order. Yeah. So I, I, I want to tell, I kind of have two little testimonies I want to share. I won't tell them both at the same time, so maybe I'll save one for later. But it's funny because I want to just share a little bit of a testimony of something I went through. So, uh, and then see how I want to get your reaction to based on what you're saying, what you believe about God. Okay. Because this is just my experience. So um, these are my two sons right here, Dylan and David. And when they were little guys, um, I was out of work and living in Orange County. Those of you who live in Orange County know it takes a lot of money to survive and, and you know, pay the rent, pay the bills. Uh, forget retirement. I just wanted to live and not live under the bridge, you know, and to live in a, indoors. You know, I like living indoors. And so anyway, I lost this job that I loved and was out of work for a year and a half. And, um, and it was a really difficult time of my life. It, it was definitely where God taught me so many amazing things. It's, and, and I'm not, and even though it was painful at the time and I did not like it and I couldn't wait for God to make it stop. And my prayer was basically, God, would you please give me a job? Uh, Cause that's what I wanted. Um, I do believe God had a different plan for me during that time because what, what I believe God did during that time was to teach me things about trusting him that I really could trust him, that he did see me and my family. He knew what our needs were. Again, like he says, he knows our needs. Jesus says this, he, you know, uh, God knows your needs before you ask, right? So why do you worry about these things? Why are you worrying about your life, worrying about these things? And, um, and, and I learned that the crazy thing was I learned lessons. I learned things that I knew them in the sense of, if you had asked me before I went through this, oh, do you know that God loves you? Oh yeah, sure. Do you know that um, you can trust God, you know, for your daily needs? Oh yeah, I know that. Do you know that God sees you and he cares about you? Yeah, I know that. I mean, all these kinds of things. I would say I knew it, but I knew it in the sense of, well, the Bible says that. And, you know, I, people all, everybody says that. But after I went through a year and a half of being out of work and experienced some amazing, miraculous things, and I'm going to tell you one particular story, but there, I could tell you many stories uh, of how God 
really provided miraculously financially for us in amazing ways. And in the process of doing that, I feel like what God was showing me was that I could trust him, that I didn't have to worry about those things, that he really would take care of us. And he did for a year and a half, which again, is a miracle living in Orange County, uh, not having a, a steady full-time job. And so one of the particular times, this is just one of the testimonies. So one of the particular times was um, I was driving, I was doing it, I had a temporary job. So I was driving to my temporary job. And this is exactly kind of the prayer I prayed driving in the morning to my job. Hey, God, um, listen, I know I don't need to tell you because you know everything, right? So you know that like, you know, like two days from now, um, our, our rent is due and we don't have that. And I know you also know um, that this car has to be inspected and we don't have the money for the inspection. And it also needs a spot check. And we don't have the money for that either. And um, there was one, that, oh, insurance. We have our Cobra insurance premium payment. It's also due in a couple of days. And uh, yep, I know you know, we don't have that money either. So God, I'm just going to drive to this crappy temp job where I'm making like, you know, $10 an hour to type in data entry stuff. And I'm just going to trust that somehow you're going to take care of that because we ain't got it. And um, this is about, about the first year into this year and a half long process. So I went to my temp job, worked until lunchtime, uh, went outside, had to use a payphone, called Wendy from the payphone, and uh, my wife, Wendy. And she goes, oh, I'm so glad you called. Um, someone from the church made an anonymous donation. And again, people uh, in our church family, we were going to this church, they were aware that I was out of work, but they did not have any idea or specific needs, right? They just knew in general that I was out of work. And so um, I'm like, oh, awesome. Well, there's some like anonymous gift. So I got time. I'm going to jump in the car and drive over there. So I jump in the car, drive over there, uh, run inside. Hey, they give me the envelope. Thanks so much. Um, But I just had enough time to get back in the car and drive back to my temp job where I was going to be late. And I go back and I sit in the car and I just take a peek. I open the envelope. I pull out the check. And oh my gosh, it's exactly to the dollar what I need to cover every one of those things. It's just like, are you kidding me? That was amazing, right? Mm. And those kinds of things we experience many, many, many times. I'll tell you one more story. This one's short. Um, this also happened where um, Wendy was home with the boys. This is a few months later. Um, I think Bill and David were little, and um, she cracked the last egg, brought of eggs, cracked the last egg, scrambled it up, uh, poured the last of the milk, no more milk, it's empty, for the boys to have breakfast, uh, took the last paper towel off the roll to clean up the counter. There was nothing in the fridge or the pantry, nothing. And um, like about an hour later, there was a knock on our door. And it was a friend of ours, Karen, and she just decided to show up. Hey, I wanted to bless you guys. You know, I just have a little care package for you guys. Guess what's in this basket? Eggs, milk, paper towels, and a box of wheat thins. Now, you that's only significant to you if you know this, that the night before I'm sitting on the couch watching television and a commercial for wheat thins comes on. And now, by the way, I could give crap about wheat thins. But when you have nothing and you have no money, even just taking your kids to go to McDonald's to get a $1 ice cream cone is a luxury that you can't afford to give your kids because you have nothing, right? And so I'm sitting on that couch and I see a stupid commercial for wheat thins and I just think to myself, I can't even buy a freaking box of wheat thins. But what is in that basket the next day that Karen brings to us? A box of wheat thins. It's like God saying, yes, Keith, and I, here's a box of wheat thins if you want a box of wheat thins. Mm. And like, so this is the way God was, came. he just carried us for a year and a half, right? 
these kinds of stories. And so um, I have experience, you know, like I've, I've survived on God providing. Now, again, God providing, yes, but God providing through other people, right? Yeah. But, and yet, even, even though this provision came through other people, it still came with a measure of like, like a little bit of a fingerprint of God on it, where it's like, okay, that's God. Because they didn't know that. They had no idea of these details and these specific things, right? So I don't know what you guys think about that. Like, does this, if that wasn't God sort of meeting some specific need like that, what was that? Well, I, I think it's an amazing story. My, my, my issue then becomes, and maybe you put the, the caveat that it, it is through other yes. human agents. Yeah, I didn't open. I didn't open the front door. And there was a bag of. Money. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and I think, but I think that's key, is because I think sometimes we attribute all these things to, oh, God did this and God did that and God did that and God did that, and I don't know if I'm just a cynic, but I'm like, well, okay, well, there's like a hundred kids who just died right. from no, starvation yes, while we were talking. Yes. So what the fuck? Yeah. And so I think that's where. It, for me, all these questions like, is God a provider? Is God this? Is God that? It, I, I just always go to like theodicy or suffering or evil because right. that's just the way my mind works. I'm like, well, what about, oh, I prayed for and I really, really wanted this job and I got this job and all, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Well, okay, well, 100 people just didn't get that job and maybe they needed that job too. And now right. they're on the streets or something. Right. It's like, but see, can I say though about like, you're right. You're totally right. And so, not to discredit you. I mean, no, 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 I get it. No, I totally I agree with you. I agree with you. And I'm not, I'm not going to push back in that way. But I, I think even in the sense of you're right. Like, what about the guy that prayed for the job and didn't get the job? I prayed for the job for a year and a half. I didn't get the job. Sure. As many jobs I prayed for, I didn't get the job. Yeah. So I didn't get the job, but uh, I still received God's grace in, 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 in even though I didn't get the job. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So, um, and then and I think on the other side of it too, about yes, there are people suffering horribly. Uh, in other places that, I mean, and by the way, even here in Orange County, there are totally. people who are struggling who don't have financial means, who aren't getting totally. assistance and, and those kinds of things. Um, and then there's the part of it like, well, is that God's fault because God isn't meeting that need? Or is that maybe it's our fault because we're either not compassionate enough to go and meet the need because we are aware of the need. We know that the needs exist. Um, so what have we done about it, right? So they're part of it's back on us too. Sure. Okay. Yeah, and I I try to come at it from a little bit different. I I don't want to ask who's at fault, right? Because if I if if I ask that question, I'm not going to get a good answer. So I, I feel like you want to ask the I me mean, always try. Okay, what's the right question to ask? Because I want to I want the answer that I that comes to be something I like. Just to be completely <laughs> honest, so I don't want to ask who's at fault because then what do you do with that? So right. if I say who's a, I mean yeah who's at fault for the starvation? Who's at fault for all the wars in the world? Who's at fault for all the starvation? It's people, of course. We yeah. get that. Um, I, I mean, I think people are doing. I mean, who's doing it? It's like we're blame, we're trying to blame somebody. It's like we're doing this, right? Of course. But the question that I, I'm fascinated by is why? Mm-hmm. Because if if my understanding of the divine of God is that God is not so much a provider as God is so is really more into. I'm trying to help open your eyes to the fact that there is no lack. Because people do things that produce lack Mm -hmm. because they believe in illusions, illusions of lack. So why does, so greed, we know this, greed creates poverty. When people hoard, then there's not enough. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, but why does, my understanding is that greed and poverty, these are two sides of the same coin. It's a fear of not having enough. 
So th- these mindsets um, that create the suffering in the world, I believe if God is going to get to the root of it, God's not going to just be a Santa Claus and dole out stuff. Right. The, ultimately, that what I believe is the divine uh, intention in all of it is to empower people to realize that we are the ones running the show. Yes. And so human beings... And this is where I think it's amazing. And, it will, and grace is a part of it. So your story is a very powerful story. And I have stories like that. Yeah. Actually, it's in my book. If you read, you get a copy. Read Which you book. can get now. Living for a Living. I have a story, an mm-hmm. absolute miraculous story that you cannot make up. But every miraculous story that I have experienced has been what I would say is you have to learn to trust your desire. Because I honestly think that Jesus didn't do a lot on the earth when he kept. And again, this is controversial. Everybody likes to give Jesus credit for healings and give G- Jesus credit for things, but Jesus shouldn't get the credit. Hello. Let me tell you why Jesus shouldn't get the credit for this, because he actually said he didn't do it. So I take, for example, the, the guy who was blind and he was begging. He was asking for money. He was at, you know, out in front of the temple asking for money. And then the disciples were coming. They were like, tell this guy to be quiet. It's creating a commotion. And Jesus is like, no, no. And he comes up and he's like, what is it? And he asked him a question. He's like, what is it that you want? Which is a pretty dumb question if you think about it on the surface because the guy's asking for money. So clearly he wants money. But that's not what he really wanted. And I think Jesus knew, no, you actually want something a little bit deeper. So let me ask you this question. What do you want? And he's like, I, I want to see. Mm-hmm. Cause he's blind, you know, yeah. that's why he's begging because he's unempowered as a human being. He couldn't even see. And so, so then, you know, you know, the story, he opens his eyes, he's, he can see. And then the guy obviously is going to like, well, thank you for healing me. You know? And Jesus is like, no, no, your faith made you well. And he always would say that. And again, I know this is abused in certain segments of Christianity. If you didn't get healing, you didn't have enough faith. I'm not going there, but I don't believe that means this te- this passage has no meaning because it actually has meaning because they're teaching, they're, they're this story that goes all the way throughout scripture where Jesus would say to people, your faith made you well, your, your faith made you well. So there's something in there that's connected to desire. So faith and desire go together. We've been so taught to distrust our desire that we're so divorced from our desire that we, are, we, we feel like it's not trustworthy. So we're trying to be obedient and obey what some some, some being in the sky once or what our parents told, t- teach us or what the church teaches us that we don't know what we actually want. So in some of my work, again, with my coaching work, I remember asking a client one time and she, her life was a mess. And I said, okay, let's just start from the beginning. What do you want? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, what kind of life do you want? If, you, if, you, if your life was a blank slate and you could paint your life on a canvas, what kind of life should it be? And she was like, I've never thought about it. I'm like, well, what have you been thinking about? She's like, I'm just trying to make it. Mm-hmm. And then she had beliefs of, I'm trying to be obedient to God. Right. I'm trying to make it. And it's like, oh, so you've been so distracted from trying to be obedient to God and trying to survive that you forgot to think about what you want. And how about this? The desires you come into the world with are actually divine desires. So I believe that God's intention is to reconnect us with our desire and to show us that if you live into that desire, everything you need for that desire to be manifested actually exists in the universe. Yeah. And if you, if you go into that, and my experience has been, once you get in alignment with your desire, things miraculously appear. Yeah. Things manifest. So when Jesus says, 
don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear in Matthew 6. It says, you seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33, seek first the mm-hmm. kingdom. Everything you need will be provided. And he's like, oh, but where's the kingdom within you? So if you go inside to this place in your being and you begin to live from that, you get back in alignment with the flow of the universe, which is plentiful, then what you need, because I believe this, and I'm totally convinced of it. I think every one of us that are here are here on purpose, number one, and number two, have a job to do. Mm-hmm. I don't care. It doesn't matter who you are. If you exist here, you exist for a reason and to do a job. It doesn't even matter if you know what that is. And when you're out of alignment with that, guess what happens? The universe is out of alignment with you. Yeah. And lack is what you will see because they can't come into alignment with that. But as soon as you get into alignment with what you're here to do, it just starts happening. Keith, you totally, your life right now, I right. believe, is yeah. totally a manifestation yeah. of that. I wanted to, I wanted to share a little It comes into line with that. But you have to get in alignment. But you know what? A lot of folks believe the universe is lacking. Therefore, if you believe it's, I always ask people, hey, is it possible? If someone says, no, it's not possible, then it's not possible. So that's a limiting belief right. that will keep you from experiencing it. Yeah. But are you still open to say like some shit happens? Like sometimes like you could be all positive. You could be in the, yeah, I'm this, I'm in alignment and all this stuff. And like just some bullshit happens. So like, like, for example, maybe you're driving to LAX to pick up your friend from the airport and your car breaks down five minutes from the airport, right? Who would that happen to? I don't know. That sounds horrible. Happened to me last night. Yeah. Who who are you trying to check it out? So check it out. Look, not an accident. We're talking about provision last night. Isn't that funny? It's so funny. I'm driving my car to pick up Keith from LAX. All right. Driving my car. It's a Mini Cooper. It's, big, it's, like, it's, a, like this. it's my a Mini, mini Cooper. Well, so, <laughs> that's, that's wrong. So, so we're driving the car, and all the lights start coming on on the dash. All the lights come on. Battery light, all the lights. Then my car won't steer because it's like the power steering is on. I'm like, oh, this is bad. So I pull off into the gas station to try to figure out what's going on, and I try to start my car back up, and it's dead. I'm five minutes from the airport. Keith's stranded. So he's like standing out there. But he doesn't like, know it yet. So I'm like, oh man, this stinks, you know? And so what's interesting about it is, okay, long story short, I'm going to all the details, but what what ended up happening was I'm going, okay, this is for me. So I've learned to ask the question when things like this happen, I used to go, why me? Where's God? Life sucks. What the heck? You know, I've learned to shift my thinking to go, this is actually for me. I know it sounds crazy, but I'm just, I like it better. It makes me feel better. So I asked the question, (laughs) how is this for me? And instantly I was like, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm driving a 2005 Mini Cooper. Let's just be completely honest. And I'm in, or- I'm in LAX. So I'm like, in the, you know, and people are pulling in, in Beamers and Mercedes. And I'm looking at that and I'm, and I'm noticing my reaction. I'm going, okay, how's this for me? And I'm going, okay, I'm driving a 2005 Mini Cooper. I love my car, by the way. It's my dream car. It's one of my, it's actually something I, I want to drive. I love it. But I'm like, okay, this, this is interesting. Um, I'm feeling like there's all these nicer cars out here. And then I, this thought comes to mind. I'm like, well, how is this for me? And instantly a thought was, I had this thought. What kind of car do you want? You getting a little tired of this car right now? I'm like, yeah, I'm, a little, I'm getting a little tired of this car. I'm, I, I, I'm ready for an upgrade. Instantly I had thoughts of, well, how are you going to pay for that? Where's that money going to come from? And I'm like, oh, I've learned not to ask that question. The question is, what do you want? Because whenever I decide I want something... I set an intention for it and I get it every time people call that prayer or whatever, but it has to line up with my desire. If I set an intention that doesn't line with desire, 
I don't get it. Can Doesn't you, happen. Can you right. have the attention for me to make six figures? Well, because I would love that. So, no, listen, in all listen, seriousness, yeah. I started yeah. having this attention. Okay, I want to have this intention for a better car. So now I actually a car came to me. I'm not going to mention it right now, but a car, a specific car came to me, and I actually wrote it down. I have my daily intentions. I was listen. All my intentions come. They come to pass. Yeah. All of them. Wow. So I'm like, I'm putting it on the intention list, and I'm gonna have this car. And when I get it, I'm gonna tell you guys about it. This is how it works. So I this no, number one way. I want another car now. Is how it's for me. But the second thing was. I wanted. I was like, I want to feel wealthy right now. I don't want to feel wealthy in the future. I want to feel it right now. And instantly, my beautiful wife, who I married into some provision, okay? So I marry her. She has. That's the key. She has AAA. The secret is mar- mar- She has AAA. Mar- I married mar- into yeah. that. It's provision. Mar- she calls a tow truck. I get my car towed for 80 miles absolutely free. I feel rich right now. It goes... <laughs> And then I get to the, the mechanic, and the mechanic is like, oh, we can totally fix your car. I thought the engine might have been shot. There's a fear. I knew it was probably not that. But I thought, and they're like, no, we can totally fix it. It's just an alternator. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is fantastic. And so, like, I'm surrounded by provision. Literally, my car gets towed 80 miles. I find out it's really not that big of a deal to fix it. Um, and now I have an intention for a new car I want. And until I get the intention, it has to connect with desire. I don't get it. So I honestly believe God cares a lot more about what we want. And if we can get in touch with what we want and understand, like, your desire is for you to show you, this is how you do your work in the world. Yeah. You need these things. Yeah, so you have to live according to desire. If you live contrary to your desire, yeah. you, are, you are not going to be a happy person. You're actually going to be, the only way that you can live, if you're not living into your desire, you're suppressing your desire. Yeah. And if you suppress your desire, you know what happens, right? It becomes passive, it creates problems in your life, just like sex, sexuality. You repress your sexuality. We all know what happens, right? It's not like it goes away. It just comes out in unhealthy areas. So the key is live into your desire, not away from it. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm still stranded at LAX. That's but another you, story. But you got picked up. <laughs> you got a ride. You not, got picked up. Not by you. Not by me. Jamal, Jamal is realizing. I'm going to get a new car this whole thing, though. And his dream. And he's writing down his car. And I, Keith is standing at LAX going, where the hell is Jamal? <laughs> Anyway, I'll tell you the story later. I uh, wrote down a- Audi A8. I wrote that down for myself. It all worked out. So I'll let you know. But I want to. But but we're running out of some time, so I want I want to go back to because Jamal alluded to like what I'm experiencing right now, which is so beautiful and crazy. And see, to me, I guess it's, we all process things differently, right? Always, we're always processing things through our own grid. So, um, I mean, I took a job, left Orange County, lived for 25 years, left my kids behind. My wife and I took a, I took this job, and my wife and I moved up to Boise, Idaho, in October. Uh, last year, and I shouldn't have taken that job. Red flags all over it. I should not have said yes to the job. But I, out of a place of needing a job, of feeling that I needed this right financially to to, to assuage these fears, uh, I took the job. I shouldn't have taken it. And then by January, the job was gone, and it was just like, oh crap, what am I doing here? Um, but here's the funny thing. This is the beautiful thing. I believe God was in that because God, since January. We've been, I've been doing the thing that I wanted to do. I've been, we've been, I've been holding it up to God and, and just saying, God, it'd be so great. Like, and the way I was praying about it was sort of like this, God, I know I can't do this. God, I know this is never going to happen, but it would be so cool. Wouldn't it be cool if I could just like be a full-time author and just like support my family, like by publishing books and doing events and doing podcasts and blogs and and, you know, and, and then do some freelance work on the side because I still do freelance copywriting and stuff. But, you know, maybe like 50% of my time on that, but the other 50% of the time, like actually get, you know, make a living doing the things I feel called to do. But I, I know I'll never get to do that. But God, wouldn't it be cool 
Deep between that it's, thought, I'll never get to do that. But what? it stopped. But I stopped thinking that I couldn't that, do that. Yes. I, because I because God kept showing me, and since January, yes. I, I I I compare it to walking on water. In fact, in fact, by like in April or so, you know, I've been out of work since January. In April, you know, I, I was driving. There was a local uh, company I was doing freelance for, and I picked up a pretty big check from them for this project I was working on. And I, and I pick up the check, and I'm in the car, and I'm driving. And again, I'm driving. I always drive and talk to God in the car. So I'm talking to God as I'm driving. And I'm like, God, you know, it just hit me. You know, God, that thing I was telling you I really wanted to do, but I didn't think I could do it, but it would be so cool if I could do it. I'm doing it, aren't I? Yeah. Like since January, we've been doing In fact, I'm still doing it. But I said, God, it feels like walking on water. And just like walking on water, it's sort of like I feel, I just have this feeling. If I try to stop walking on water and look around to figure out how I'm doing it, loop, I'm going right under. So I just feel like I need to just keep going, like just keep walking, keep moving forward, keep doing these things. And the more I've been doing it, it's crazy. You know, and, and this is the big running joke on the on the podcast, by the way. It's like, um, anytime I agree with Jamal, I, I feel worried about myself. Like, <laughs> but I find myself agreeing with Jamal. Now, I, we're probably not 100% on, on all the, like, I, don't, I don't think this is necessarily some law of the universe, but what I've, I have noticed that the more I move towards things Your desire. that I'm made to do, that the things that give me joy, and, and by the way, not just to give me joy, I think this is a key part of it too, yes. because why do I write books? I don't write books because, uh, I mean, trust me, no one writes if a book if they shouldn't because they want to make a lot of money because it's never going to happen uh, unless you write The Shack. So uh, it's more like, why do I write these books? Because I, I feel like if I, these books will help people, right? Yeah. If someone would read this, it helped me to learn these yeah. things and I want to write a book so other people can go, oh my gosh, thank you. Like, you set me free. You, you show me something I didn't know. And so, so again, it's moving towards things that not, don't just help me, but also help other people. Yes. God blesses that. I want to say this though. If you like to do something, so for example, I don't care what it is. If you have a passion, something that, you, that brings you joy to do it, if you're doing that, just by you being happy, I have this belief that we're all connected. All human beings on the planet are connected directly or indirectly. And if we are in the flow of doing what we desire to do, we are actually loving and serving people through it. So it is all about love. I'm, I'm convinced. Like it, people, so I, to give you a perfect example of this, okay, go, I want to go back to my, this client I was working with a few years ago, and she was literally in poverty. Had no place to live, no money, zero dollars, barely anything, um, like no car, nothing, just nothing. And so I started out with like your desires, like what do you want, what kind of life do you, in your ideal world, what kind of car would you be driving? What kind of, I know it sounds pie in the sky, positive thinking, but I was just saying, hey, I want you to get in touch with your desire. So as she was getting in touch with her desire, um, she started feeling guilty, like right. I feel like one of these prosperity preachers that want a jet or want one of these things. Like, I don't even feel like I should be able to say that. I'm like, I know that's a huddle. That's a mental huddle. I was like, but here's the question. Why, why do you think the divine is so angry with you that he doesn't want you or she doesn't want you to have the kind of life that you would enjoy? Like, do you really think somebody's getting pleasure out of you living a miserable existence? And so we had to cut, we had to like get over this mental huddle. And as she started to get over this mental huddle, I was like, it's okay for you to want things because guess what? You're going to be happy if you're living into your desires. I don't believe things make us happy. I'm not saying right, that. Right. But I'm saying, hey, look, what if you actually have a desire in your heart and there's, there's, some, there's, a, there's a, an energy, a being, call it whatever you want, that's saying that desire you came into your life with, into this world with, 
actually is coming through you. So if you're happy, if you're enjoying your life, you're going to love people better. You're going to be better at everything you do because you're enjoying your life. So she wrote down this name of a car. It's like, what kind of car ideally would you want? She's like, well, it may not sound, it may sound kind of crazy to you, but this is the kind of car I've always wanted. She wrote it down. Literally earlier this year, she bought that car. Wow. She bought it with money. Yes. (laughs) She bought the car. She owns her dream car. She had zero, nothing two years ago. Yeah. And all was literally, you can call it God. Did God do it? I honestly believe she just came into her desire. She set an intention for it. And then all the limiting beliefs that have been programmed into her from religion and her parents and her lifestyle, how we had to undo those. And as soon as you undo those things flow, it's like a dam. You remove the dam flow opens back up. I know this is controversial, but it works. I've seen it happen over and over and I'm living it myself. Well, I think I think it's fine as long as it's not abused. I mean, people right. abuse it all the time. That's the bullshit. It's right. like people say this stuff and then they manipulate that. And and, and again, like to piggyback on something Keith said, I, I I don't think it's some sort of law of the universe. I mean, I think there, but there is evidence, and this is where I will agree with you, is that there is evidence that what we focus on tends to come about. I mean, there's yeah. the, you know, like, I mean, in quantum theory, if you observe the experiment, it, yeah, the it behaves, yeah. you know, the yeah. double slit experiment, it behaves, the light behaves in one way. If you don't observe it, it behaves a different way. So showing that we do impact the universe and, and our intentions, if we, if we see everyone as miserable sons of bitches and mm-hmm. we see ourselves as a worthless piece of shit, like Calvinists do, I mean, you know, we're going to, we're going to, our life's going to look a little different yeah. than if we, if we see ourselves as, you know, like Franciscans, my yeah. like Richard Roarwood, that we're beloved children of God. Yeah. And, we, and we have the intention to do X, Y, and Z. And those things tend to come about so, just as long as we don't, I would never want to, I would always want to caveat it and say, sure. let's not make a rule about it or yeah, a dogma see, about it. So here's, here's the thing too. I, I mean, I, I think this is true. Um, for, again, in my own experience, like the things I'm experiencing now, I'm I'm honestly only experiencing them because I published three books and because I have a I spent ten years you know working uh, at an inside agency and I developed some skills as a copywriter that now I can use to freelance and right so these things I couldn't I don't think I could have experienced exactly what I'm experiencing now ten years ago so I think you also have to be in a place where sure. in other words there's and and also it's not as if oh I'm now experiencing God is just raining blessings and money upon me no I'm working my ass off I'm working harder than I've ever worked when I had a job. But I'm doing the things I love to do. That's what's so great. Like the things I'm doing, I'm working really hard at it, but it, it's stuff that like, it's inspired. It's like, oh, oh, I could do this. Oh, I should do that. And again, it's not things of I could make money. And actually, there's something you said once. I can't even I can talk to you. I call you about this. Um, Jamal sometimes records these little, uh, I, uh, little iPhone kind of videos on Facebook sometimes. I never watch them. <laughs> but this one time I did. No, no, but this one time, this one time, it's so funny. This one time I did, and he said something that really stuck with me, and I, I called him about it because, because I had just experienced it. And you were saying something about how um, when you're in this flow of whatever this we call this thing where, like, you're doing the thing you feel called to do and, got, and, and, and it's coming back to you and you have this good intention, this, this good desire you have to do this good thing for other people, and yet uh, but it's part of who you feel called to be and do and, and things. And, and so now you're experiencing this kind of, like, uh, this flow that's coming. That's how we to express it. That's good, right? But then you can kill it when you suddenly start. And I and I started doing this. I, I you know during this time in January, I lost the job, and I started. Okay, now this is happening. Walking on water. Okay, cool. This is great. This is awesome. But I hit this spot where I started to get afraid. 
like, oh, so like I just finished up a freelance job and I didn't yet have the next freelance job that was going to pay the, the, the rent for next month. And for that moment, it was just kind of like, oh crap, I better start doing stuff to make money. Mm. And now my intention was about making money. What I was, what I was, and it came out of a place of fear. And it wasn't about, I didn't give a crap about helping other people. I need to put some money in my bank account, right? And it was, and it was a, a noticeable shift of energy where I, it started drying up all these other beautiful things that were happening. It was like, and I, but I noticed it. I, I mean, I noticed it on my, on my own, like, oh, that, what's going on? That's weird. Why not? I stop and go, why is this different? Oh, it's because I think it's because I'm doing this. And then I saw that video you did and I had to call you go, dude, that was it. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's because I had shifted my focus on myself and on my fear, yeah. right? Instead of on, no, it's not about me. I'm taken care of. I'm good. As long as I just keep walking in this direction, doing these things that I'm calling hey, to. I say this one thing about the creative process. Yeah. Cre- creative process. By the way, the one thing that will kill the creative process is, is fear. Yeah. Fear of survival. So fight or flight mm-hmm. will get you out of the zone. So a lot of people, especially in my line of work, people will come and go, I got this problem. I know you talk about living for a living, but here's the reality. I got bills to pay, blah, 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 blah. And I have no money and I have no way out of this. So immediately that question, even that focus is somebody is saying, I'm afraid. And you will not have any creative thought or right. solution to your problem in that state. Yeah. Number one thing you have to do is get out of that state. So when the people can shift out of that state of, of fight or flight and start to like calm down a little bit and breathe, it's amazing that you get back in touch with your heart. Now, I believe like you're not going to find God anywhere other than the, your essence. So when you come back to that place, get in touch with that place. You'll, the creativity you need to get out of any problem you're facing is already there. And people come up with it. They find out and they end up acting on that. Yeah which then provides whatever it is that they need. But I honestly believe we're all walking around with this reservoir of infinite intelligence, infinite um, wisdom, infinite creativity, whatever it is for what we're supposed to do in the world, we have it within us. People would say Christ in you, the hope of glory. I don't care what language you put on it. This is the well we all have access to. But but most people aren't living from that well. They're right. living from fight or flight and life isn't working for them. Yeah. So you have to get back in touch with that to know what to do. I yes. expect there to be a lot of questions from you guys after this because th- I think we have raised enough questions that there should be some yeah. kind of Q&A. Definitely. This. Yeah, so we'll do a couple of announcements and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll yeah, come back it. to the oh, question. Yeah. I, I know you guys got questions. Sorry, so, we got and, work to do. and if you don't, think of them in our break. Please, but before, we go, before we go to break, uh, we do have a website, heretichappyhour.com. Um, just bookmark it. That way you get, uh, you know, when new episodes come out every two weeks. Uh, we also have a Patreon if you want to support the show. I'm sure some of you do. It's patreon.com slash heretic happy hour. And we have bonus stuff on there. We have access to a private group that we all engage in. Um, we do uh, bonus interview clips of guests like David Bentley Hart, Rachel Held Evans, all those sort of things. And we, we typically record like 10 extra minutes that only our Patreon supporters get. And That's it all helps, the good stuff, actually. It helps support stuff. all this because yeah. this does cost money. And we <laughs> are very thankful for those people who do the, do do that. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, speaking of the Patreon page, um, it's not just a place to go and get bonus stuff. One of the things we just recently revised our Patreon page and also in, in conjunction with that, our a Facebook group. So we, um, we had a Facebook group called the Heritage Happy Hour Facebook group. And um, it's had several thousand people in it. It was great, but it was also a lot of chaos, and uh, some of us hated it. 
So uh, we decided we needed to stop and do some shifts and changes to make it better for everybody. And one of the, and I think it's been great since we made the shift. It's actually been awesome. So what we've done now is um, we have a separate group for, it's a private group for the Heretic Happy Hour podcast. Um, and it's only for supporters on the Patreon page, but you can, you can be a supporter for $2, right? $2. Minimum $2, Two a month. month. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure you can cover that. And so uh, that gets you the bonus stuff, all the cool stuff, and you get into the private Facebook group. And then the existing group that we had that was sort of the thousands of people kind of chaos and out of control, that is now called the Heresy After Hours group. It's a lot more controlled now. It's a lot better. It's more fun now, isn't it? Isn't it better now? It's better. Better than it was. Okay, yeah. it's good. It was a low bar before. I, I, that I was love just it. My opinion. Look, I don't mind chaos. I think it's great. I love it. But it's <laughs> oh, a lot they're more watching right now. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We love no, you. No, we love you. Love you guys. And um, anyway, so yeah, check that out on the Patreon page and uh, the Facebook. Do we have two Facebook groups now? So check yeah. those out. Yeah, and we, we are on iTunes. Yes, we made it. Yes, <laughs> we made it on iTunes. We made it. That means what did we start off on iTunes? I thought we. Were I mean, maybe we started. Every, off on they iTunes, accept but, everyone, but we still made it. And so we're here on iTunes. That means you can rate us. And review us, please. So I don't even know how many people here have rated us and reviewed us, but we won't ask. But no, no one guilt. can leave we don't this room until guilt. you have rated us. And you can't do zero. You got to do at least one star. So <laughs> at least one. Yes. All right, Barrett. Oh, no, no, Barrett. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Yeah, stick around. We'll do Q and A. Yeah, take a little break. Sure. Eat something. Drink something, and we'll come back yeah. and do a Q and A. Get some donuts. Feel free to clap. Yeah, it makes can, us it's okay. Harder. Yes. You can show some love. It's all right. It's all right.